Okay, it's good to see y'all here this morning. Uh, I'm sure most of y'all have heard that uh, Martha Brown fell and she broke her hip. Uh, I was at the hospital with her Friday and uh, they did a hip replacement. And the doctor said, just seemed to think everything really went well. He said he'll probably keep her up here in the hospital probably three or four, maybe five days. Then after that, she's going to have to go to therapy. And uh, they're looking at putting her out here between Azle and Springtown at this Springtown Park. And I don't know for sure if that's what they've made up their mind to do yet or not. But y'all keep Martha in prayer and keep JB in prayer. He's been having some problems, too, of him falling. So uh, just to let y'all know that, that she was in good spirits. I got to visit with her and talk to her. I'll go back up there this after day after church and check on her again. And she, they put her in ICU after uh, she'd come out of the surgery and everything, just to kind of watch her, but I'm sure that now they've moved her back to her room, so I'll get a chance to visit with her a little better. And uh, But y'all just keep Martha and JB and that family in prayer as they're going through these things right now. And uh, I've got a good friend, too, I'd like for y'all to keep in prayer. His name is Tommy Roden. Uh, I was with him Friday also. I went up there Friday morning, and he had to go back into surgery. He had a, a brain bleed. They just did surgery on him the day before, but something happened, and it started kind of bleeding again, so they had to go back in. But uh, I talked to his wife, Gloreen, and uh, she says he's doing real well right now. Said he was sitting up in bed, said he was eating, said he was laughing and talking and telling all kinds of stories. So, I don't know, I guess he's feeling better now, but they're going to have to watch him real close. They had to cut out about a three or four inch square on the side of the head there and go into the brain. To, I asked him, I said, well, when they went in there, did they find anything? And they, he just kind of laughed, said, well, I don't think they did. And uh, so I said, so you don't have a brain at all, huh? And he just started, oh, I didn't know that's what you meant. You know, and so, but anyway, uh, it just seems like a lot of different things going on right now, and uh, it seems like the old Satan, he's out there doing everything he can to disrupt God's children's life. Uh, my message this morning was not what I intended to do, but God changed this on me. So, uh, anyway, I've entitled this where are you? Now, that's kind of an odd title. But do you know that's in the Bible? It's in the book of Genesis. And God's asking a question. I think he's asking us that question today. In other words, where are you with me? How's your walk with me? How's your closeness with me? How's your prayer life with me? What would we say if God just stepped out of heaven right now and asked you these questions? Where are you with me? You know, uh, there's just people all over, and you can look in here in the church, that used to be in church that's not in church anymore. They're not going anywhere. I've talked to a number of people that I've run into and different friends and different things. You know, they keep telling me, well, Bill, I'm going to come and visit with you. I'm, I, 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 I listen to you uh, 
on uh, Facebook and this and that. And I'd like to come. I said, well, come on. They, and, but, you know, they don't ever seem to make it. And I know at one time some of them were in church. And I was talking to one particular person. I'm not going to say any names. I said, what happened? Why are you not in church anywhere? I mean, it's not that you're not in, in my church where I am, but why aren't you in church worshiping and loving God? I know you're a godly man, and I know you love God. He said, Bill, I don't know what happened. He said, I never intended not to, to leave church or anything else. He said, this little thing started happening. I started missing a Sunday. And then before I know it, I'd miss three, four, five Sundays. Just didn't go back. I said, why didn't you go back? He said, I guess a guilty feeling I had of what people would say. I said, you know, the only one you've got to worry about pleasing is God. You don't have to worry about pleasing people. But please God. And God wants you in his presence. He wants you in his house. I said, you know what happened to you? He said, well, kind of. I said, when Satan got that opportunity to pull you away from church, he did it. He is so conniving. He can do things that you would not believe that he could do. He can tempt you in ways, you know, oh, I'd never fall for that. And yet many of us have. He's told many of us, well, no, you, know, you don't have to go to church to worship God. Well, you don't have to go to church to worship God. But that's nice because you're in there with other fellowships like you, with, with, with like church-going people. They, they want to have that fellowship and that companionship in worship. You know, it's so much easier. And I know that when this COVID thing was going on, I did some on Facebook, but I would also watch different services. And it was not like sitting in church. It was different. I didn't feel the, I mean, I loved the Lord, but I did not feel the closeness that I felt in church when I was sitting with the people and listening to the singing and the music and the voices. I mean, it's just like God's Spirit was just going around. And I, I, I felt a comfort. I felt a peace that I didn't feel sitting there watching it on TV. And a lot of people don't understand that uh, this is Satan that's working on us, keeping us out of church. You know, even Jesus Christ himself said something about this. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, it says, For Satan only comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is his job. He is to come against us. He has no other job but try to pull us away from God, from God's word, from God's love. Well, he can't pull us away from God's love. But you can get laxed in your love for God. I've talked to some guys, like I said, you know, when I get that opportunity, I, I talk to people. I want to see where, is it just us or is it other churches too? Well, apparently, we're not the only ones where a lot of church attendance is not what it was. People just, well, I just got other things I want to do. I said, you know what's causing you to have other things to do? And I said, well, probably Satan. I said, you're exactly right. 
He can put other things on your mind that you ought to be doing instead of being in church. You know, I told you all the time before that used to, before I got really into church, that I loved to fish. I fished bass tournaments. I fished, I, 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 I was almost ready to, to start trying to go pro. And, uh, but I was gone constantly. I'd leave out on a Friday. I wouldn't get back home till maybe sometime Sunday night. I was gone constantly. Near every weekend. But see, I put God was over everything. He was, I mean, not God, but my fishing was before God. That's where I put things. And when I got into church, one of the first things that hit me is like the Holy Spirit said, Well, Bill, you're going to have to make some changes in your life. I said, Oh, man. You know, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. That I was going to have to put God before everything else. And, you know, even after I got into church and I got God into my life, well, I quit fishing. I did, on, on Sundays, and I, I'd go on Saturday every now and then, but I did not miss church. I'd have men call me that I'd fished with and everything. They'd say, hey, let's go fishing. I said, well, when do you want to go? I said, Sunday. I said, I'm sorry, can't do it. Got to be in church. Then after a while, I didn't have these calls anymore because they knew I wasn't going to go. They knew I was putting God first. And that's what we have to do if we really want to serve God and have God in our life is put God first. See, fishing was first in my life. In other words, it's kind of like fishing was my God. I chose fishing over everything. Family, God, everything. And when I got into church and, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, a lot of things changed in my life. I've even had, had other guys say, Bill, You'd been one of the last ones I would ever thought would be a preacher. So, oh, thank you very much. You know, and uh, but I, I'm probably the same way. I never thought I'd be a preacher. Never thought of it. But when God gets a hold of you and he wants to do things in your life, God does some changes that maybe you're not ready for. When God got a hold of me, I felt some things go on in me. I knew that my life was going to change. That I was not going to be the same as what I used to be. I wasn't going to be that same person. I was going to be serving God. And uh, so I just had to make some choices like we all have to make choices. Like I've told some of these other guys and those I've talked to, look, you're going to have to make a choice. I said, there's coming a day. Just like that song we sang, there's coming a day when you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to get before God. You're going to have to get before God. You're going to have to make a decision in your life. This is what you're going to do. It's where you're going to go. What you're going to stand for. You know, we're talking about the way Satan tempts us. Well, you know, the first temptation came from Satan. The first temptation was Eve. A woman, yes. But Satan tempted her, and she fell for what Satan was tempting. And, and Adam did the same thing. He listened to Eve, and they were both were tempted. Here in, uh, see, the devil 
he came and even caused her to disobey God's command. God said, you do not eat of this forbidden fruit. Don't eat of it. You can eat anything in this garden you want except from that tree. Of course, that is what Satan brought to Eve. They, they called it an apple, but it was just, we don't know if it's an apple or what, but it was a fruit off of that tree. And it was a forbidden fruit. God said, do not eat it. The day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Well, he did. And she did. Not a physical death, but a spiritual death. They died spiritually. And uh, then, after this, they tried to hide from God. Thinking God didn't know where they'd be or anything else. That's why I named this sermon here, Where Are You? Here in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, listen to what it's saying. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees in the garden. Verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was, but that's not really what God was asking Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Where are you now in your relationship with me? I think we could all ask each other that, ourselves. Where am I in my relationship with God? Am I walking with him? Am I reading his word? Do I believe his word? Do I believe everything that's in this Bible? You know, I've had a lot of people say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but. Well, God didn't say, this is what I say, but. No, he said, this is my word, this is what I say, and this is it. There's no but in there. God has given us his word. He's given us what he wants us to know and what we must do in order to serve him and to be his child. And, uh, but yeah, God asked him, where are you? But he was asking Adam. Where are you now in your relationship with me? See, him and, him and God and Adam used to walk in the garden and talk. This stopped it. This, when Adam went against God, see, this was the very first sin that's talked about in the Bible. The very first sin. You know, the very first sin that caused our thinking that it was possible, oh, we can hide from God, and God won't know what I'm doing. God won't know where I'm at. He can't watch me every minute. Oh, yes, he can. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows where you're at. Where, like I said a while ago when he said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking, Adam, where are you hiding at? I don't see you. No, he knew exactly where Adam was. But he said, Adam, where are you now? Seems like our relationship is not what it was. When we start getting away from God and get out of his word and quit reading his word, our relationship changes. Our relationship changes because we are not in the presence of God and studying his word. And uh, sometimes we take these little small steps. See, Eve didn't think she was doing anything wrong. You know, when Satan said, when he tipped her, what did uh, Satan say to Eve? He made her start thinking about stuff. 
Okay, Eve, but did God really say this? Is that what God really said? So he was putting in her mind, well, wait, maybe, maybe I misunderstood what God said. Well, see, Satan's still doing that today. He's coming against you saying, oh, it's all right. God will understand. He knows you're just flesh. He knows you're going to make mistakes, and he does. But yet, there's so much stuff we do that we know's wrong. We know it's wrong before we do it. But yet, why do we still do it? We, we are still flesh. We're still walking in this earthly flesh. You know, the Spirit in us, which is the Holy Spirit, our spirit battles our flesh daily. The Spirit wants you to do what's right and what God wants, but your spirit, I mean your flesh, wants you to do what you've always done and how you've always done it. The flesh doesn't want to give up you. It's had, he's had it for you so long. But God says, obey the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. And I said, well, and this is going to continue all through your life. As long as you are alive, your spirit and your flesh are going to collide. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care what you do. That spirit and that flesh is still going to collide because that, that flesh is still wanting to pull you away. It's had you all these years. It's been with you all these years. And it wants to hold on to you. We have to make up our mind who we want. Who are you going to let win? Are you going to let your flesh win? Or are you going to let God win? You say, well, how do I know who's going to win? And I've told you this before. It depends on who you feed the most. If you feed the flesh, the flesh is going to get stronger. But if you feed the Spirit, which is reading God's Word, hearing God's Word, doing God's Word, then the Spirit gets stronger. The Spirit is a lot stronger than the flesh because the Spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit who is living on the inside of you right now. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. He's not going to let you go. But there's going to be a war. And it's up to us as to who wins that war and who we serve the most. You know... Uh, here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, listen to what Adam, how he answers God. He said, And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. And because I was naked, I hid myself. See, Adam and Eve had always been naked. But when they had sinned, something happened. When they eat of that tree of knowledge, he knew that he was naked. And he knew, oh, I shouldn't be like this. But see, everything was pure. Nakedness, there was nothing to it. Nobody thought anything about it. Adam and Eve together together. I mean, it was just one of those things. But soon as as Adam heard God's voice and he, he had eat of that fruit, he said, he said, I was afraid when I heard your voice because I was naked and I hid myself. How many of us are trying to hide from God? How many of us are trying to hide from God today? How many are doing with little things here and we're still trying to hide from God? Well, you can't hide from your, from your Creator. You're all-knowing, you're all-seeing Creator. He knows everything you do. He knows everything you think. He knows what's going on in your life. And God wants to be that number one in your life. 
He wants you to come to him. You know, I'm just wondering. Of course, we will probably we'll never know. Not here on this earth. But suppose Eve had told Satan. Well, Satan, God told me not to do this. And I know he didn't do it. And I'm just going to check with him one more time before I do it. I wonder what would have happened. Maybe we could have avoided sin. Maybe we could have avoided death and hell. See, there was no death, there was no hell till sin came in. That's when hell and death were created. It's when sin entered. There was no need for death or hell. We wasn't in sin. We didn't sin. We was, we was right in the eyes of God. But the moment sin come in, that changed everything. That's why we have to be careful of what we do, what we say, how we act, because of what sin can do in our life. And, uh, you know, when that devil found Adam and Eve out there alone, well, you know, he came to, he came to Eve first. He came to Eve first and tempted her into, into eating his fruit. She, did, she ate it, and then, of course, she gave it to Adam. Adam took it, and he ate it. And, uh, and this eating of this fruit and causing them to know the difference between good and evil, it changed their lives. It, it changed everybody's life, every one of us, because that is the time when sin entered into the world. That's actually what the Bible said. For sin entered in through one man. And that was Adam. It entered in through one man. And uh, it's like I was telling you a while ago. I was trying to talk to, to, to this man. I said, How long before you knew that you weren't going to come back to church? He said, Well, he said, it, it, it took a little while because they said, I didn't just fall away immediately. It was little things, kind of little small steps at a time. And that's the way Satan works. It's little small things that draws you away from the presence of God. You start thinking about other things. You start thinking about worldly things. You know, so many people right now, they're out there, they're walking, and they're, they're tangled in the vines and the briars and the weeds of this world. They get tangled up in it, and they can't get out. Well, they can get out, but most of them don't want to get out. But it didn't happen all at one time. It was a slow process of this person doing a little thing here, a little thing there, this, that, but pretty soon... They were just out of church. And that's the way it usually happens. And uh, <clears throat> you know, the only way, and, and, and it's just like some of these people said, I was so ashamed of what I've done in my life that I was ashamed to even go back before God. So I let God down. I felt like God was ashamed of me. He wouldn't forgive me because I messed up. You know, they say there's only one sin that God won't forgive. 
That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And really all that is is not accepting Jesus Christ and not having the Holy Spirit in you. God says that his grace is greater than any sin that you can commit. That God will forgive you of whatever you've done. And they say this is the only way back to God. It begins with a humble, repentant heart. Coming before God truly regretting what you did. And God knows if you're sincere. God looks at our heart. God does not look upon the outside. It says that God looks upon the heart. He doesn't look upon the outside of man, but he looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. The pureness of your heart. And uh, <clears throat> so the only way that we can come back to God is to confess, Lord, I've strayed away. I've got away. You know, even when David had committed his sin with Bathsheba, over in the Psalms, David says, and for me to get back right with God, I confessed everything. I left out nothing. He says, I confessed everything before God. I didn't try to hide anything. I didn't leave out nothing. And some of the things I imagine David had to say to God was probably pretty embarrassing to David. But he knew God knew it. He knew that God knew what was going on in David's life. God knows what's going on in our life. And God is ready for you to come to him. Say, Father, kind of like David. I love what David said. He said, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. How many of us have gone to God, fell on our knees and said, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. We all have. We all have. We're, we're human. We're flesh. But you know, God knew that what we was going to get into. He knew we was going to have problems. Why do you think he sent Jesus Christ? To forgive those sins? To cleanse us from those sins? To wipe our sins away? To take all of our sins upon himself? And remove them from us. He said, and when, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, God poured out every sin in the world upon Christ. He took all the sin and put it on Christ. That is love. That's God's love for us. That's Jesus' love for us. And I got to thinking about that. You say, how much Jesus Christ must have loved his Father to do what he did because God asked him. God wanted us to be free. He wanted us to be clear. He wanted us to, to get rid of the sin that's in our life. And there was only one way to do it. We was, you know, in this incident right here in Genesis, do y'all realize that was the first blood shed was for Adam and Eve. God had to sacrifice an animal. This is the first blood that was shed. He had he killed an animal, took the skin, and covered Adam and Eve's sin. That's kind of what Jesus done. 
he came, died for us, shed his blood to cover our sin. He says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Blood has to be shed. Blood is the lifeline of this body. If you didn't have blood, you couldn't live. That's why blood is so important to God and in the Bible. Blood is your life. Without it, you cannot live. It makes the heart beat. It's what goes through your veins. It's, it's what cleanses you. So blood is very important. And, and so many ch churches don't even want to speak the word blood. They say, oh, it's too gross. Well, I'll be tell you what, I am so glad and so happy that Jesus loved me enough that he shed his blood for me and for you. So when Satan comes against us, it's time for us to run to God, not away from God. It's not time for us to hide. It's time for us to get out in the open and say, Lord, you see what's going on? And Lord, I don't want this in my life, but I do want you. We need to just, just tell God. God knows what we feel. He knows what's going on in our bodies and in our lives. We just must confess, Lord, like, Lord, I messed up. I made a mistake. And if we ask God in our heart, God will immediately forgive that sin. There's no waiting. You're immediately forgiven. And God then tells us, you know, I have forgiven that sin, and I'll never bring that sin back up to you again. It is gone. It is forgotten. It is it's permanently gone. And God will never bring that sin back up. He forgave it. Now, somebody will bring it up to you and try to make you remember it, and that's Satan. Oh, you remember when you did that? How could God forgive you for doing something like this? See, he's working on you just like he did Eve. Are you sure that God really said? And he's asking you, are you sure that God really said that he would forgive you? That he'd cleanse your sins and he'd never remember them again? That you'd be totally free of them? It's the same thing. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tried and you're going to be tested. It all depends how much you love God as to what you do. Don't run and hide from God like Adam did, thinking he's going to get by with something. The thing to do is just, Lord, coming into your presence right now, Lord, I have sinned and I'm asking you to forgive me. I am so sorry that I did this. And God will forgive us. You know, I'm going to ask if, if, if the band will, if they'll come up. But, you know, if I don't know where you're at with God. I think I might know where most of you are. But, you know, little, little things happen in our life that we just need to come before God every now and then. God, I've got some things that's been going on in my life, and I want to get rid of them. I want them gone. So I'm asking you to touch me, to forgive me, and to cleanse me. If there's something going on in your life today, you know, sometimes we've got what we call a little secret sin that we try to hold on to. We have to get rid of all of them. Have to get rid of all of it. 
the devil's going to say, oh, well, that, that, that little sin, that, that, that don't mean nothing. That don't amount to nothing. God never even thinks about that. Satan lying to you again. So when we have something in our life, God is who to run to and not hide from. Because God will ask you, where are you? And he's asking you, where are you in your relationship with me? Are you still good with me? And God knows if you are. But sometimes, like the Bible says, examine yourself. Sometimes we just have to ask ourselves some little questions. Am I where I need to be with God? Be honest with yourself. And God's ready to cleanse you and take that sin away. So if you've got something that you'd like to go to God with, we've got the altars here that you can come kneel for. Or if you just have, if you just got a prayer that you would like to have me to pray with you and stand in agreement with you on a, on a prayer, something going on in your life, I want to do that. You see, God, in, in, in the Bible it says we're two or more gathered in Jesus' name. His presence is there too. So we're two or more gathered. Jesus' presence is there also. So if you do, if you have something, if you really like to come before God and just have a moment with God and ask Him to come into your life stronger than what He has been, please come today. I'm going to ask the band to play, and if they will, please come to God.